what's up? It's our podcast, bandmeetingpodcast.com. It's me, Tyler, and... I'm Dave. That's us. We got a pretty awesome guest today I'm excited to talk to. Uh, From our... From way back, Ty. From way back. From our second, third, fourth, and fifth record. That's right. For the majority of our career. Four of our records. Yeah, that's a lot. That's half of our career for sure. He's that we did with Howard. Because our first record we did in Vancouver, and which is where we all lived. So me and you would literally take my piece of shit car into the studio every day. Until it broke down. Until it broke down. Until and then it... we got a rental car. Yeah. And then uh, the second record with Howard was done in LA. So we all had to stay at the old famous Oakwood apartments there in, in Burbank by my house. Yeah, I mean, that was... Uh, that place is so legendary. We ran into like the hailstorm folks when we were there and became like best friends. We ran into uh, uh, there's some what's that blues Black. player? Oh, yeah, that yeah, we, yeah. Uh, that's and uh, not the, the was group. it uh, Lang, uh, Lang, uh, Lang? No, it was, was it? I was gonna say Johnny County Lang, Johnny Lang. That's right. Yeah, we ran into him there. There's so many people there every time. Like IPs spoke. were staying right right near me when I was there. Because the, the building what? is huge, right? It's 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 just massive apartment complex, but it's like A to Z. Yeah, so, so it's twenty. It's like twenty five buildings, and yeah, each of them is three stories, and each of them has yeah, I don't know how many. Apartments. They're on washer and dryer. We were staying in like the F building. I think me and Dean and and you were in a different building i think you you were like across the can be and it can be quite far away like it's like it's a bit of a walk you weren't too far but we were right next to we were like the e or the f and like rick james died in the building beside us yeah while we were there he died in like the e e building or something like that i remember the caution tape outside there the news were there yeah we're like what's 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 going on Rick James died. We're like, Rick James lives here? <laughs> Rick James has been here? <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. yeah. That was, uh, and it, that place was bad because every, it, they had pools and then they had their own like convenience store and then they had like a gym and stuff. But, uh, and why, that was back in the day when they had like Wi Fi was very uh, brand new. Yeah. So they had Wi Fi in their buildings. I remember one time I was staying there and one of their multiple records. And I was doing laundry because each place has laundry. And I put my stuff in the dryer or something, and someone stole all my laundry. I remember that. I remember I was you. so I angry because I'm like, what dipshit takes the wrong clothes? So I, I got all of these person's clothes, and I put it in a bag, and I sat there and waited and waited and waited. And they never came. And I'm like, what dipshit gets the wrong clothes, goes back to their place, <laughs> and then, then just, just doesn't realize... It's the wrong well, clothes. Maybe uh, your clothes was just were just better. And he's like, "Woo, trade it up." Well, <laughs> there were some jeans in there with a bunch of zippers, so <laughs> he definitely threw them in the trash. Possibly. <laughs> so yeah, I remember being so angry. I waited and waited, and they never came. So I took his. I took their clothes. I took them. You show and him. <laughs> sh- and you know what? Guess who won that one? <laughs> they did because I never clothes. Uh, that sucks. That sucks. Uh, good times. But yeah, that's yep. where we stayed. That's why we, we love with... the Oakwoods. <laughs> <laughs> so legendary. Yep. Uh, but yeah, we, I'm sure. That, what's that? The one record we did where we all grew mustaches. 
I swear, like every day we'd go down to the pool, Dean and I, and like some 13 year old kid would be right. like, Hey, can you buy me some beer? <laughs> then, no. Yeah. Then you guys, no. like the two of you would go into the hot tub and then girls would leave. Yeah. Well, we'd clear it out. Two guys yeah. with like mustaches, orange stashes. Yeah. Yeah. We'd just sit down and they would just empty. <laughs> the hot tubs, too. Remember the hot tubs were really oddly foamy? Remember? Really frothy. They were really frothy. We're not sure what that was. (laughs) And we didn't really care. But uh, good times. But we'll talk about that with our our guests. Let's just get into it because I'm sure we're going to have lots of stories for this guy. Uh, Let's bring him on, Harris. All right. Our guest today is a multi platinum award winning record producer who has been nominated for two Grammys for Producer of the Year, has recorded some of the biggest rock bands in the world, including four albums by Theory of a Dead Man, is a Drexel University graduate where himself and his wife established the Howard and Monica Benson Endowed Scholarship Fund, loves the Philadelphia Eagles, model trains, and vintage keyboards. Everybody, Howard Benson. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Yeah, you should. Uh, Well, we were just telling the story of playing hockey at the studio, right? Yes. Yeah, we were just reminiscing, reminiscing. You know, we spent like, uh, it feels like we had like a, what, a 10 or 12 year period of time where we just like really spent some time. I feel like you were with us kind of... uh, you kind of like honed us in a in a musical way. Like uh, you, when you got us, I still feel like we were green. We had one record under our belts, like fourteen months of touring under our belts. But I really feel like we grew up as a band, kind of under your watch uh, in the studio. Well, it was kind of hard because you were produced by Chad Kroger, who's kind of a hack. So I, had to kind of, um, <laughs> I mean, so I had to kind of like fix a lot of that sort of mistakes that he taught you. What's about, funny is we uh, would get we we started with you and it was like what time do you you know what's what's your studio hours and you're like you know like 10 a.m. to like 5 p.m. and we're like what yeah well, we, we were we would show up at like two in the afternoon go get lunch go to the studio nothing would happen not really do anything stay Party till for four a bit. in the morning yeah we <laughs> yeah, told you guys. We said you'd started at like 10 or 11 and by five or six, you'd be exhausted and you didn't believe me that you were but we exhausted. Actually worked. <laughs> but we, we worked actually the worked. whole time. Yeah. 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 We were kind of, we were kind of infamous for that in the, in Hollywood because people were like, they said, you're like a demagogue. Like I was some bad guy for making people want to make their record. You know, like that was a bad thing, you know, <laughs> so I kept I thinking, why is that a bad thing? You know, I thought that was well, for to be us, good. We were- we were staying at the Oakwood apartments, which we loved. And, uh, you know, so it was this great atmosphere because it wasn't, we got to like wake up in the morning, you go to work, you get done. And we were like, all right, let's go. What are we going to do for dinner? Go hang out at the pool. You know what? It, but it really felt like this really great s- cyclical s- system where, you know, we went, we worked hard, you know, like you said, it was, sometimes it was like exhausting just having, you know, Hey, Dave, you think you could play that better? And I'm like, no, I can't. But I, I mean, I'll try again. And then 58 <laughs> right. times later, and I'm like sweating and I'm crying. And you're like, you know what? Actually, we we kept that third one. It was it was, it was good. You know, I actually <laughs> met you guys. I don't know if you remember, but I actually flew up to Vancouver. Yeah, of course. To see you guys. Yeah. And uh, you were in some rehearsal hall. There's lots of bands there. That's what I remember. And uh, you played me. I think it was a few of the songs from the first record. I don't think Santa Monica was on it, but a few of the other rock songs. And I remember leaving there thinking, wow, I mean, yeah, I didn't know much about you guys, but my manager loved you guys. My manager, Leah, she was really like, you have to work with this band. 
Yeah. So I went up there and it was, uh, yeah, I was pretty impressed by you guys. It's pretty low rent at that point for you guys. Just the oh, yeah. like, did, we, like, did we go meet you at the airport or something? Like, were, yes. Because yeah. I swear I remember I, we were like, what does he look, what will he look like? What does this guy look like? Like, I didn't even know. Like, what does this right. guy look like? Yeah. What, we, what we, we, we had no idea what you looked That was back when like the internet, I guess, wasn't as wonderful it is today. You couldn't just Google your name. Yeah, the, well, it wasn't the face. smartphones weren't as, you know. Yeah, you couldn't text right. me. There was it no texting. Pages. Still pages. Yeah. But yeah, we we uh, we had no idea we looked at it. And this dude came uh, off an airplane and he had long hair and like sunglasses on. We're like, that's like, gotta be is. him. It's gotta be him. And then <laughs> yeah. you're like, and we're like, and he walked past us. We're like, oh, it's not him. And then you walk <laughs> up like, hello, I'm Howard. And, I'm like, and, and, and we're like, oh, okay. But yeah, that, yeah, that rehearsal space we took you to was such a piece of shit. And there was a guy living in it. Do you remember, Dave? There was a guy living in it in the other room. Uh, it was it was Crispin <laughs> was living there or something. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he was there when we were jamming, but uh, I think it sounded so bad, Howard, that you were like, do you have anything like you've recorded? <laughs> I think that's <laughs> right, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I thought I'm not getting anywhere rehearsing these guys. Let's see yeah. if they've recorded anything, you know. But was yeah, that Joe? It wasn't. Joe was the drummer, though. It was was. Uh, it had to have been. Well, Robin. Robin. Did. Was, was Robin, Robin up the there with you? Stuff. He wasn't there with you, though. I wonder if it was. I don't it, know. Was it, yeah, I don't know. Was it Tim back then? Still? No, I think. I no. Think so. No, not by then. I don't. That's crazy. I don't even remember who yeah. played drums. I, I like to think it was it was might have been Robin. I don't remember either. Who yeah. knows? I don't know. It's a long time ago now. Was that two thousand and four, maybe or two thousand five? Yeah. We did our record, so yeah, yeah, it was that was a long time ago. But I remember when I heard Santa Monica. That was the real. That was a winner for me. Like I could picture the movie almost. It was like a movie that song, and I remember thinking, "Wow, this is gonna be a great song." You know, yeah, so I, still, really, I still tell people that when they ask me, uh, you know, if I if there's a song for me that I that I love of, of our catalog and I still say Santa Monica because I'm with you. I, there's like something about that song that I always just felt like it was like it was magical. Right. The first from the first time I heard Ty play it for the demo, it was like there's something to the simplicity of it. It was just such a great song. Yeah. 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 yeah, it was funny. Uh, we spent, I think that you guys came down to base seven. We did that one to base seven, right? That was one of the yeah. fifth or sixth records I did there. And uh, we had a funny moment there with Chad. I don't know if you remember the. Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> it's a good story. It yeah. is, of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the only reason you have me on this podcast is to tell that story. <laughs> so am I telling it? You can, hey, if you want, yeah, go ahead. I'll give you my perspective of the story. <laughs> so my perspective was I was out at a steakhouse having a steak and I get this frantic phone call from Mike Polotnikoff from the studio saying there's this Chad Kroger is at the gates trying to get into the studio to hear with a car full of women, girls, <laughs> strippers probably, to hear the record that the band is signed to his label. So he wants in. And I yeah. said, no. And it <laughs> infuriated him and it got worse. And the studio manager called me, hey, we got to do something. This guy's getting agitated. I said, I don't care. No. And then I heard from Ron Berman at Roadrunner, I guess it escalated up the line. And then I heard from his manager. I heard from the, I heard from everybody begging me to let him in the studio. 
And I, the more I heard from it, the more I realized I was doing the right thing by saying no. Cause you know, we weren't even a quarter of the way through that record yet. And that, you know, you don't want to play anybody's shit that's half done. I don't even think Chad would, I think he'd understand that. Do you know what I mean? I just think uh, yeah. he wanted to show these, you know, that it was his band and all that. But yeah, that had actually, I don't think he ever forgave me for that at all. He was I remember pissed off. Snow, he really I remember snowballing quickly and like there was like all, all these talks and oh, what's going on? We got it. Something's got, something's happening. This yeah. and that. But Tyler, I a big deal. <laughs> yeah, but you yeah. called me up, Tyler, and you said to me the next day, you said, you know what? And I thought, oh, my God, Tyler's really pissed off. He goes, you're going to be my producer for fucking a long time after that. And I went, like, <laughs> yeah, yes. You know? <laughs> so well, you mean, I, I mean, thought, I, I was, was going to say, I always I, thought it was smart that we, you know, like we wanted to separate ourselves from Chad and Nickelback. We wanted to be our own band and he, he did produce our first record. And here we were, you know, making a record with you. And we, we really wanted that to be sort of unsullied and not have his input on it because we wanted to show people, it, it, you know, it wasn't Chad's talent or anything involved in this. Of this course not. No, he's an unbelievably talent, talented you know? guy. Yeah. Yeah. But so we, but we wanted, yeah. we wanted to show people that, you know, we, you know, these, these songs, it was our talent, not his talent. So, you know, I was, I was excited too, cause I was glad you stood up for the, your, yourself and your, the way you make records. And I think you did the right thing. Well, three weeks ago, I think Neil Sanderson for Three Days Grace approached him about working on one of our artists. And he goes, well, who are you working on it with? He goes, Howard Benson. And he goes, fuck that guy. So he still remembers. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he still remembers. <laughs> he holds a grudge. Yeah. He's holding grudge. <laughs> Love it. That's a badge of honor, though. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so many good stories, man. Yeah. yeah it's uh, The hockey one was good because remember we had to set up uh, – cardboard or the ball would go underneath that's right and then go on the street we had to send a runner out every time to open the gate and go get because uh, the studio was kind of like secret right you couldn't see it no all the everything was kind of covered in black you couldn't even see what was going on in the inside there but yeah didn't we, also, uh, we, who, did, we played some ice hockey too and i gave mike plotnikoff a good elbow he got a big shiner from that that's right just, oh, was that we what it was ice hockey that one time yeah in the well, la king's practice facility we went and played at you know, I loved going to hockey games with you guys because I never watched a hockey game and understood the, the detail. Like, I only watched it from a you know American perspective, which is like, oh, these guys are skating up and down. They shoot the puck. It goes in. Like, now, now when I watch a game, I go, wow, the line changes. And I see how, right. like, it's like when the other team forces the other team into their zone, but they can't change their line, how they start wearing down. And how this such a part of it, you know, you never think you about that, that stuff. at a live game. You really see that a lot more at a live game when you can see the whole surface. And it's, it's almost weird because when you watch ice hockey on TV, you think it's the same guys just playing the whole time. You never, you right. never see them change. If you don't, if you don't have the trained eye to watch it, you just think there's the same five guys skate for 60 minutes. But yeah, when you actually go to a live game and start to see it all happen, it's a, it's like a ballet, you know, everything all happens cohesively. Yeah. So much is the line changing, though. I mean, how much you can get new guys and fresh people out there. To, That's to all the play. coaching, right? Those guys are they see the they see the other team's three players skate out, and the coach has to match who he wants playing against those players, and yeah. different guys are jumping on. Yeah, we had some fun times. We went to some Kings games. We got a one of the private private boxes. Yeah, one time was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's right. That was good. We brought everyone from the studio there. I think that was Hatch's uh, first hockey experience ever. Yeah. 
Hatch unfortunately he, hasn't left his room for five months or six months. <laughs> He's like holed up in there. Yeah, that's I, how I, I still, remember him pre-quarantine. So uh, yeah, I, 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 I've always tried to figure out what his code is. He'll be coming in the hall, and I'll be trying to hack a code to go into his room and he's like no 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 i'm like i almost got it i almost got it you know i've so been in you, there ever so what are you working know. on right now howard what uh what music you got going on right now well three days grace is gonna make another album so we're starting awesome. that ramping that one up and um the cool thing in my life now is that i started a label called judge and jury records with neil sanderson from three days grace cool and we signed diamante the uh girl to it and so um it's cool to be a record company guy a little bit later on in my career now so i don't have to like i mean i'm still producing stuff like i have a a lot of records out weirdly enough i have a 10 years record that just came out right and um apocalyptic just just came out and in flames uh i guess i don't know a band called junk bunny on lava records just a lot Mm -hmm. of stuff so um and a lot of that came pre-covid some of it during covid we did a three days grace single. I was saying to uh, Tyler, we use a, um, a program called Listen To, which is enable us to listen to 44.1 16-bit information just as a URL. So you oh, can wow. just play it on your DAW and boom, hit a, hit a link and I can listen to it right yeah. away. So it's cool for mixing. It's cool for recording. It's not that complicated. That's what I like about it. It's simple. You put right. it on the stereo bus of Pro Tools and it just sends right to it, right up to the internet. So, well, I also love that you've been you know. doing a lot of uh, sort of like the uh, tonality stuff. I know, I know you've been put because oh yeah, that's a whole other like, yeah. Forget about all that. Well, yeah, and that's what you're a smart guy, Howard. That's what I like about you because you know you, yeah. you you know you think about where the the business is going as well as you know where it's at right now. And I know well, that uh, you got the Kemper tones and all that stuff. Yeah, and I was kind of like scared to get not scared, but I was kind of like, do I really want to get into this kind of thing? And uh, they approached us this company called STL about doing a guitar plugin. And I said, well, I don't want to do one unless it's good. Like there's no right. point. And they pitched us on their process, which involves a lot of technology stuff. But I, I said, all right, let's just see if it worked. And we had Phil X be our guinea pig. Yeah. And uh, he was like, no, this is amazing stuff and you should do it. So we kept it very simple, but then it led to more stuff and more stuff. And then Joey Sturgis came to me about the Howard Benson vocal plugin that's actually something I'm really proud of because a lot of people use that. I know like Tyler uses it, Neil uses it. And it's, um, it's basically the vocal sound that you're all used to hearing while we were working together and you could just have it right there. So I'm kind of well, giving we, away yeah. the store a little bit, but I figured. Yeah. It's nice. To have it. You slap you know. it on there and it just is exact. It's the Howard Benson sound. And that, uh, the one that is. I'm so used to, where you can literally hear like Yourself your heart thinking. beating and yeah, yeah, you can hear like your stomach digesting. You're like, holy crap. <laughs> and you know, we I had to work that. on it for a long time to get that. It, that wasn't that easy. Like I thought it'd be easy, but I kept getting iterations and iterations back forth, back and forth from um, Joey. Yeah, the reason you guys like using it is because you're used to hearing, that's what you're used to hearing, but it did take a while to generate that technology. It's like, you know, so yeah, it's a new part of the business I'm working with and my son Grady, who you remember as a little kid is yeah, now running course. the he's now running the empire. So he does all the accounting and does all the royalties. He does the he runs did, the we, plugins, all this shit. 
So we played some uh, football with him, uh, Super Bowl halftimes and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, we had some some good times. I remember him as a kid, but also, uh, yeah, he grew up kind of in front of us too. We played ping pong in your backyard a couple times, and yeah. It's good that he's that. not in the creative part of the business, but he's in the business part. So he likes right. that part of it, you know? So, you know, I don't know if being a record producer was, I don't know if I'd wish that on anybody actually. Although <laughs> I've had a lot, I've had a lot of fun doing it. It's been a good career. Can't say. I yeah. For me, I've been doing like a little, you know, when we do these podcasts, I go and do some research, which is something I would never have done kind of in the past. So it's cool for me. Cause I kind of go through and I look at like your discography and stuff. And uh, it's it's almost weird because it's daunting in a weird way. I think about, man, it's a good thing I didn't know so much about these people before I met them. I probably would have been nervous to meet people. But you got like this great discography, the Motorhead. You did some records with Motorhead back Four in records. the day. Four. Yeah, which I mean, like some of the stuff, it's like, to me, I think of that and I think like history. Like it's just like musical yeah. history. You've you've stamped, uh, you've you've put a stamp in musical history because I, I obviously don't think of ourselves as a, at a point in time where we need to be thinking about ourselves as musical history yet, but you know, one day hopefully yeah, people will be talking course. about how, how you made our records. <laughs> I think they already do to me on other podcasts. Absolutely. You know, well, it was they cool. talk I about remember... the singles. They go, Oh, that song, bad girlfriend or that song, not meant to be, or that song. So sometimes it's just about the songs for them. You know, I remember you said Chris Daughtry brought uh, our record up to you and said you, he wanted to make his record sound like gasoline or something like that. And I thought that yeah. was always the coolest thing. It felt like such a compliment to us, too. I was like, man, that's cool. And you worked on a song with him, I believe. Didn't yeah, you, on his we did a tour and he's such a great guy. We had a lot of fun on that tour. He's such a good guy. And he's, you yeah. know, he's starting to make records in the rock. His new song World on Fire, which is a great song. It's on the rock charts, actually, and I think that's the yeah, first time he's been on the rock charts. He's usually a pop, you know, hot AC guy. So ah, good you know. for him, man. Yeah. yeah, miss that guy. It's funny because musicians, it's uh, it's like some weird. I don't know how to describe it, but it's like a some sort of club or fraternity or something. Circus. Inclusive. Yeah, it's a circus. Well, if you're not touring, you you're not touring. You don't see them, right? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of. You're a good story is when, when you came out. Remember, why did you come out? Remember, you flew out for something. Were you trying? We had to record a vocal or something. Remember, you came to that festival. Which festival? You yeah, came to oh, oh yeah, I had to record a vocal with you, and I actually spent a night on your tour bus. And you hated it. You I remember you came out. Hated it. <laughs> and no. there, like almost every band that was playing on that festival, you had recorded. Tulsa. I think, it was Tulsa, yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah. I think I think three days was there. I think Seether or something. There were so many bands. I'll tell you what, probably. Skillet, Hailstorm, Seether, Three Days Grace, you guys. All, <laughs> and it was that Canadian band that was Adam's cousin. Um, the older. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Ooh, they, I forget uh, what they were. Uh, Porn yeah, Star Dancing, Darkest yeah, Days, Porn, Darkness. My Darkest no, Days. My darkest no, 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 no. It was, oh. Um, oh. it was another band with Johnny, somebody was the singer. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. That's uh, from Vancouver. Yeah. That band, I can't remember the name anyway. Yeah, we well, you know who they are, Dave. They had the Motorhome. Yeah. Came on, we played poker with yep. them. Yep. They were a bunch of drunks. That's all I remember. <laughs> they were good yeah. Canadian kids. Well, I think yeah. that was called Benson, Benson Fest, right? Yeah. It was Benson yeah. Fest. <laughs> but I went and to I remember, your, uh, yeah, I went to your, 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 I stayed in the back of the bus and we drove to Memphis where, you know, and I remember thinking, this is, fucking all i mean all these guys are doing is watching hockey games 
like in the <laughs> front of the bus. And it just never, you guys just sat there like watching hockey games. And I, I was like, why are we not leaving till 12 o'clock at night? Well, the guy sleeps yeah. all day, the bus driver. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck this shit. I mean, what the fuck are you guys like? How do you live like this? Like, you can't take life. a shit in the you can't take a shit in the toilet. Why not? No. You know, there's all these uh, fucking rules. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, it was funny because like it was it was a festival environment, so it's like all backstage. You know, you got the all lawn chairs set out in front of the tour buses, and everyone's saying, "Hey, what's up?" and drinking, and we're just like, "This is amazing. This is just like a huge party." And you're like. You went, I'm like, I'm having a nap. And you went and had a nap in the back of our bus and yeah. you came off and you're like, I can't handle it. There's, there's, so, much, there's so much weed. There's so much, I, it smells so bad like weed back there. I think, I, I think I'm high. And you hated it. You're just like, I can't wait to get the hell. I don't know how you guys do it. How do you, you guys do this every day? I'm like, this is every day, man. I'm like, how long is Howard's nap going to be, man? I got to get to my bag of weed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I actually tell that story a lot because people go, why did you never want to just play in a band for just for the shits and grins? I'm like, I tried it for six hours one day (laughs) on a tour bus. It was hard, you know, but, but I do have a mass amount of respect. And I think that the COVID thing is kind of, somebody said to me, you're a lot of the artists are not making music right now. In fact, my, uh, 10th street guy, Chris Nielsen, who manages five fingered and, uh, in flames and lots of bands like that. They can't get them the right material right now. And he said, it's just a general malaise with the mm-hmm. artists because they're, the excitement of touring is gone. So they need the, the goal of here's the tour right. as, the, as the goal. And it's hard to write music when you don't know when that's going to happen. So, which is interesting because the music business used to be the other way around where the, the yeah. recording was the whole focus of everything. Right. The and the tour was secondary. Yeah. So, but I mean, I can kind of see that. I, I think that's why it's a good time to record, actually. I think that if you think about it, you want to bank material right now, right? Because you'll be touring for a long time. Once this shit opens up, you're going to have to have material to release. So you might as well record it now. You know, yeah, I think Tyler I mean, and I, you and I were talking about this. Uh, you know, we, we released the record uh, like, was it January? And for. Yeah. January this year. It, it might be a year and a half before we actually can tour. We can't tour that record anymore. We have to move on. Well, that's why it's good to be a, I was telling Tyler this, I mean, this is, I'm not sure this podcast is where we talk about this stuff, but it's good to be sort of independent now. Like you look at, you look at um, Papa Roach and Five Finger Death Punch and all these bands are making independent deals with distributors where they're the record company. Right. And they determine their own fate. They're not under the fate of the record label anymore. The label doesn't dictate things to them. It's it's helpful when you're a band like that and you have a catalog too, and you already have the safety net of that catalog. You can tour for that. Well, you guys do too. You have a great catalog. I feel like one of the best catalogs. I mean, every record I've worked on you with has a single, has multiple singles. We always feel like we're cutting, uh, cutting like radio singles off the set list to to put like new album tracks on or something like that. It gets tricky now putting set lists together because yeah. we have so many albums. Yeah. But, and, and you know, a lot of the albums that we made, especially the albums we made with you, I mean, some of them have scars and souvenirs had like seven or eight singles from it. Oh, that's itself. crazy. That one. Yeah. They really yeah. kept, you got to give the label credit on that one because they kept, they were chasing hits with hits. They kept chasing that one, you know, yeah. which was pretty cool. You know, yeah. well, they didn't like the two best songs on the record. You know, that's true. That funny? Isn't yeah, that funny? that's true. I remember, yeah. um, I remember we were actually auditioning drummers 
Joe Dan, you know, who was a, who we were auditioning, I think it was in 2008 or before the record came out, I know they were, they were mastering it or mixing right. it or whatever. And they needed a, they needed a track listing. And we were, I remember we were in LA and we were rehearsing drummers, Joe being one of them. And they're asking us and the label was like, so here's what we think the track listing should be. Right. And we noticed that hate my life and bad girlfriend were not on it. And we're like, right. uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. These songs got to be on there. They're like, well, the label thinks they're kind of cheesy and they don't know if that's a good idea. Man. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> and we're like, no, no, no. If we hadn't put those on that record. What a difference that's, that would have been. That's a heart and soul right there. That's really the 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 epitome of what that record was was uh, yeah. Bad Girlfriend I Hate My Life. It really was the kind of the one two punch on rock. I think radio the uh, by the way, I think Dave, I think that guitar playing is some of the best you've ever done. On Thanks, that one. man. Yeah. Well, I we always talk about like uh like I said before, you know, we grew up through you. It was it was funny because you know, when we would prep to do records, it was like military. Like we were in there for eight hours a day rehearsing jamming because we knew you were going to come in and we wanted to be tight and be rehearsed and have it down but it was always the situations that were that i found most difficult would be where we'd be the unrehearsed stuff and you'd be like all right we need we need something here you know we need a guitar part here and not meant to be well i'm going to go record ty's vocals uh i'll be back <laughs> in an hour dave uh you know get something and, I, and i'd be sitting there with mike and i'd be like all right oh man what are we doing what are we doing i always but i love those times too because you know you have to you get that pressure and you want to like you want people to be happy with something you came up with so yeah but i remember a few of those scenarios and you know i in your in praise to you i think you know you were always hard on us if we were sucking but you were always quick to praise us if we did something good and if we came up with a good part you were always quick to give praise i think that was smart because you know it made us want to keep <laughs> i had to work on that actually a little <laughs> bit the early in my career like was around motorhead and lemmy would always say to me you always fucking hate me. It seems like Howard, you fucking hate me. And I was like, I don't hate you. I just, where are you getting that from? You know? But I realized that sometimes I never said anything nice to him because he was, right. just, he was a fucking asshole to be honest, pretty much 24 seven. Right. It, but I, once you got used to him, he was, you, you figured him out a little bit, you know, he was, you know, he was just Lemmy. Right. You know, he's playing his own, the part of Lemmy, you know, in his own show kind of, you know, I never got to meet Lemmy. I think that would have been a, even, even the few times I went to the rainbow, I tried to see if he was around, but never did. Oh God. Lemmy, the first record I did with him, I was absolutely <clears throat> unprepared for that. Like I'd never worked with someone whose entire diet was like, you know, speed, potato chips and Jack and Jack Daniels. That was all we ate. That was it. So we can imagine crazy. his mental state was constantly going like this all the time, you know? But he was also a rock star and right. he played like a rock star. He didn't care about selling records. He didn't care about the radio. He, he, we used to call him the most unrecouped person in Hollywood. Like he never <laughs> recouped anything, right? But people kept signing him to record deals, you know? So yeah, it was pretty cool time. Pretty cool working with him, you know? But I didn't want to work with him anymore. He didn't like that. He was very upset after. Uh -huh. Because he he got rich, he felt he felt uh, he had a what do you call it, complex a um, like a separation anxiety. So mm. that's why he kept people around him, the same people all the time. Right. Even though he fought with them all the time, he didn't want to lose them. And when I said no, I'm I just had a hit with POD. I'm going to start another part of my career. 
he was, he didn't, he would, I, I ran into him. I don't know if I ever told you guys a story, but I hadn't seen him in like two years. And I saw him at the Staples Center. He had gotten nominated for a cover of Enter Sandman with Zebrahead. They did a duet, somehow got nominated for metal performance. And I'm there with my wife, Monica, and I'm just at the Grammys and I'm walking down the, uh, you know, one side of the Staples Center. He's coming the other way with the belt on, the stomach hanging out, the bullets, you know, yeah. the moles, all of this stuff. And, and <laughs> he put he a sees, mole. I put the mole on. Oh, we used to like we on the on the artwork. They used to put the moles on different sides of his face to screw with him, <laughs> you know. So anyway, I see him coming down the other side, and I haven't seen him in a while. And I was generally happy to see him. And I said, "Hey, Lem, it's uh, what's going on?" And he looks at me and he goes, "Fuck you, Howard!" And he walks right by me. <laughs> I just and I was just like. And Monica goes, my wife goes, she goes, that was so awesome. Like you, that was so awesome. And I was like, yeah, I got called out at the Staples Center with all these people in tuxes and bow ties. And, you know, I'm in a tux actually, and he's got his shit and he just looks at me and he just throws fire at me, you know, it was, you know, I love it. It's so great. Hey, I get the familiarity thing. It's, it's nerve wracking. Uh, Anytime something is unfamiliar in this business, especially, I feel like you're, you, uh, that I love being prepared. And so whenever you can't be prepared for something, it's, it's I get it. Well, I yeah. think that's why, good. I was going to say uh, any kind of ADHD, ADD, ADD, AC, DC, separation, anxiety, OCD, being in this, yeah, being in this business, it's just, and even with this uh, quarantine has amplified all of that stuff for us because we're i don't know what it is yeah we're used to being taken care of we're all used to all these things right so yeah we have the same separation anxiety as well from the band but also uh like if someone very important we didn't work with anymore it'd be really weird yeah it'd, be, it'd take a Even long crew guy you lose a crew guy you know I lose a guitar tech i've had for a few years and i'm like do well, i just retire do i just go just quit <laughs> Well, I think that's why a lot of artists, I don't know if you've noticed this, but like, at least in my world, a lot of times you have like, um, one second, cool guys calling me. <laughs> <laughs> the life. Fire yeah. Benson, hold on my third pool. My second, what? My second pool. My water slide's broken. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah. He'll have to wait, but just barely. So, uh, you know, but, but artists are sticking with their same team of people now. Like I noticed that the clients I've had are sticking with me as a producer because it's not that they want me, me, but like you guys said, it's, they don't want unfamiliar. Right. So they know what they're going to get. Like in flames flies all the way over from Sweden to work with me because right. they know here's the house we're going to stay in. Here's the studio we're going to work at, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And I think that's starting to turn. Like I notice, a lot of my artists are just sticking with the same. It's almost become, unfortunately, siloed a little bit, where it used to not be like that, where you would move around a little bit and try different people. But you know, so much of the business has moved to Nashville. So, right. like, you look at the guys in Nashville, like Kyle Storm, and I think Seether is even over there, and they're just staying with these Nashville guys. You know, and I personally think the Nashville guys are cool and everything, but I, I kind of think they're kind of like the B team, honestly. I mean, the A-team is still in Los Angeles, I think, because we're around, like, I think the culture is more forward-thinking here. I think in Nashville, it's more stagnant. And I think that that's the nature of the country music world is starting to reflect the rock world. 
like I've heard a couple of records from some people I've worked with and I won't name them, but it's almost like the records sound like I produced them in 2009 and I'm mm -hmm. trying not to sound like me anymore in 2009. Right. So I've switched mixers. I've switched uh, up my team a little bit. I brought in different programmers. Um, I'm even not even producing a lot of it myself on my own label. I'm having other guys produce it because I think that they may have better ideas than me. So I think there's a, I think you almost have to sort of go forward. It's painful a little bit, honestly, you know, but I don't know. I find it exciting. Yeah. I think this, you know, COVID thing has kind of made some opportunity to be more creative, you know, as well as the other stuff, obviously, you know, it's, it's definitely starting to not take things for granted, I think is what this COVID thing has made me realize that a lot of stuff I absolutely take, taking for granted. Now I'm like, don't take that stuff for granted anymore. <laughs> right. Right. No, it's, it's like somebody took everything, threw up all the pieces in the air. And it's just rearranged all of itself, you know? Right. So, you know. Yeah. And our, uh, well, our, it's it, the touring has always been the, uh, the slush fund, the, uh, the safety net, the touring has always been like, you go home for five weeks, but you could be, but you know, there's a tour is booked. I mean, tours are booked so far in advance. Some tours are booked, six months nine months in advance year in advance so like we the band knows like we'll book like right now we would be booking festival stuff for next summer so we already know wow, me and david right. sitting, sitting at home going no we got money coming in uh next august we got shows already booked so let's uh everything's great but now it's like you're not sure uh, and everyone i'm of course everyone is so like almost faux optimistic you know they're just like oh, yeah you know a couple more weeks <laughs> it's just, at this point you're like well you know there's, <laughs> but there's justification a little bit for that because i didn't think the nfl would come off i mean i didn't think that the tour de france would come off i didn't think hockey would come off i mean these right. somehow have made it work a little bit like i was watching formula one in in uh they've got fans in the stands now like not all the fans but you're starting to see a work around a little bit of this so I mean, I don't think it's going to come back to being, I mean, I read somewhere where the worst way to spread this disease is a concert set. Right. Like that's yeah. literally the worst place to do it. But maybe there, maybe there will be a workaround, you know, that we're getting we've close to, you know, we joke, we've always considered ourselves a responsible band, but that's actually the truth. You know, we keep saying, we're like, man, I don't want to go and put a bunch of people in a position to go and get together right now anyway. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of happily just waiting for it to be a time where we can do it and, you know, I don't want to be performing on stage and actually sitting there thinking in my head, how, what's the death toll going to be uh, six months from now from this right. show? Because there will yeah. be one. There yeah, it's so be. scary. So Somebody it's like will for, die. Yeah. It's also, uh, uh, we were talking the other day on a call, and I said, unfortunately, you're dealing with so many parameters and, and people involved. And if we did a show somewhere, you know, when we go tour, we tour like nationally, right? It's not like, oh, we'll just do one show. We do like, we'll do 30 or 40 shows. So you know you're going to get to a venue some in some city, and they have a they have some sort of COVID restriction to a certain amount of people or social distancing, and then you get in there and you we walk on stage to our intro, and the pay, place is slammed, full of yeah. people, and then we go, do we cancel? Do we walk off stage? What do you, I mean, you know you're going to get into that position where you like you have to take control and go like if we walk off stage we don't get paid. At the same time, they've totally not abided by that. And you know that's going to happen. You know people, the owner, yeah. club owners are not going to care. They're going to be like, let's make some money and sell some beer. So that's that's yeah. why we're like being responsible. Do you think there's also <laughs> a legal issue too? I mean, like 
One of the reasons this community is not having Halloween, uh, we're trying not to, is we're afraid if somebody does Halloween in the Oaks where I live and they get sick, they could technically sue the homeowners association because like we allowed them to have, a, you know, so in touring, you would imagine that you guys, you know, you're a band that makes money and you have assets. You could be in trouble. You'd have to almost have them sign something. I mean, I don't know what the deal is with that stuff, but a little yeah. something to think about, you know, I mean, there's always well, a risk going to a concert though, I guess. You know? I don't think we want to so. be the first ones out of the gate. Basically. I think we're happy to let somebody else kind of go and, play some shows first. Point. yeah you know, i don't think we need to be the first tour to hit the streets you know i think we're all really anxious to play and we want to play but you know there's there's a proper way to do it i think we're all you know anticipating a time when we can get back to normal but i think that's just uh patience is the key right now yeah 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 i'm still hopeful it's unfortunate. Well, but not two weeks you know i think it's going to be next yeah. year uh you know, yeah. late next year, maybe. I don't know. Vaccine. Come on. Bring a vaccine yeah. on. Yeah. We'll see yeah. what happens. We'll see. In the meantime, we got a podcast. Howard, oh, you've been right. riding your bike. I just rode it today. I did a massive ride today. I, I, I'm the fifth fastest person up uh, one of family? my climbs in the cloud. Yeah, that's my me. You got a new electric bike or something. Ty was telling me about this. Oh, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, I got a. I just got a new bike actually, but it's no. I just just pedal power. Well, I'll tell you something. The electric bike is way more of a workout now than it. Really? It, yeah, because you. What's like I did seven minute hill, which is one of our climbs out here in the valley, and I normally would do it in say fifteen minutes, and it would my heart rate would be like one thirty, but I'd slogging it up the hill because right. it's steep. Here, I did it in like seven and a half minutes. My heart rate hit 175 wow. because my feet are spinning so fast. And I'm, so I'm using more heart rate, but less muscle stress on my right. body for being, at, you know, at my age, I don't want to have a back problem or any of that stuff. Right. So it really depends on how you want to use the bike. It's kind of like anything else. If you just want to put it on, ride a flat road and put it on turbo, your heart rate, you're going to be, you're going to have a 80 beats per minute heart rate right. and it won't be a workout. But if you go do some really hard hills with it and you go for time stuff like I do, you're going to get a hell of a workout. Like it, right. it's going to be harder than a regular bike. And people don't believe that till they get one. They go, oh, e-bike, you're such a pussy. You know, no, it's not <laughs> that. You're doing something that you're just getting there faster. Right. You know, you're doing. You're still working out. You're still, you're like still working out. Yeah, it's hard, yeah. you know. So today we, the, and the fun part is you could do like 40, 50 miles and not you couldn't do that before without getting right. home and going, I don't ever want to ride a bike again. You right. know, now you get home and you go, that really hurt, but I'm okay. I can the rest of the day and I can do a right. podcast, things like that, you know? <laughs> so, That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's actually been great. You know? I just told Ty I've been riding my bike. Uh, my in-laws got me a bike for Christmas actually. And I literally in the last two weeks just started riding it, but I went and got my daughter who's two, a little seat for the front of it. So now we just, me and her just ride around the parking lots around here. But oh, I cool. go for about a 30 minute ride every day. And I, I really love it. I just, just getting outside. And I told Tyler, it's like after 30 minutes, none of my muscles hurt except for my cheeks because <laughs> I'm smiling the whole time. I'm just like, yeah. ah, like a little kid. I, so I, I have been enjoying it for sure. But it's amazing you got a bike because the bikes are sold out here. Like are you they? can't get a bike. Yeah. You can't Makes get sense. parts. Yeah. Cause no gyms open. So right. pretty much everybody kind of 
became my bike rider. No one's so, exercising here in Tennessee. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Just me. Just, me. just yeah. Dave. Dumb. Yeah. You have to do it for everybody else in your city. That's right. I just uh, oh. got... I got Ty sending me videos for band workouts now. That's right. Dave, Dave's learned how to do some band pull-aparts. <laughs> no, he's not getting strong from playing. There's no more guitar playing anymore, so there's no more working those shoulders out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> just, carry, just carrying kids around. How many kids that, you got, that background. I got two kids, a four-year-old boy and a two-year-old girl. Uh, and so they're not in the homeschooling. They're not in the uh, Zoom thing yet, right? Or is that? Well, like, my son's doing some Zoom schooling and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, that's got to be a pain in the ass. Yeah, I don't really, it's not good for that age group, Zoom schooling. I don't think they don't really get it. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense, but yeah, yeah I don't know. I can't homeschool. I like, I realized I watched some viral rant that some woman did where she was like, oh, great. Now I got to teach my kid math. Show him how stupid I am at math. And I was like, yeah, no kidding. Like how you're not, <laughs> you're not prepared for this. It's like you know, <laughs> teaching your kid uh, these uh, subjects uh, you can my, teach him a d chord that's not yeah it's not my point. yeah there you go there's some math math rock teach him yeah. some rush you got math and music yeah <laughs> teach him some dream theater math yeah, that's and right. music let's go that's you a good that's a good uh, skit right there yeah if you teach him a rush song that'd be probably a lot of math in there that's right yeah i do like <laughs> that idea some five four time or something like that that'd be pretty yeah. fun yeah, tell him five four time is reg is that's the normal thing. So yeah. <laughs> he grows up on five four. <laughs> yeah, that's actually pretty smart. Yeah. So Howard, what I, is that? Uh, what is the endowment scholarship you have at uh, at Drexel there in in Philly? Well, we you know I went to college there and I went I got a degree in actual regular engineering, not not audio engineering, but aerospace engineering, which is called materials engineering and mechanical engineering. So I got a degree in that. And I worked out here in, in L.A. for four years before I started doing music. So that's what I worked at, a company called Garrett. And uh, we made, uh, I worked on leading edge slat actuation systems, which are the front end of the wing, front edge of the wings. And I worked on turbine wheels and turbine blades. But I was always in a band. So um, I stayed related, you know, with Drexel because even though I was producing, I was still talking to them about academics and things like that. And then they just started uh, music thing like about 15 years ago they decided to get into the arts it was mainly a technical you know it's a university that's geared more towards technical stuff like uh, engineering and accounting and that kind of shit uh, biomedical engineering so uh they you know my career had started to take off and i and monica and i said you know what it'd be good to do a scholarship fund for people who can't afford to go to school so we did two of them and both of them basically you can apply for the scholarship and if you are in need and you meet certain requirements, then you get that scholarship for the year. So that's called an endowment. But we also paid for the studio. Well, there were three uh, people that paid for the studio. Their studio costs like a half a million dollars. They built a world-class studio there, nice. recording studio. So our names are on this studio, actually the name Monica that's and I. Cool. Yeah. So it was, uh, so yeah, I do, a, I do, I teach class there like once uh, a year in the springtime. Like cool. this, a semester like this. And um, it, it varies from like, how do you make money in the music business to how do you produce a record or what's it like to deal with an artist? We actually did something really cool about a year ago or two years ago. We had Diamante, the artist that I've signed. It used to be on 11.7. We spent 10, the, all 10 classes talking about, we asked the kids, okay, here's an artist. What would you do with her? So we wanted to see it from a perspective of an 18-year-old or 19-year-old. 
And we got some really good ideas from these guys, like stuff that we didn't think about at all. So it was kind of a two-way class a little bit. Like they were, I was getting shit from them. They were getting stuff from me, you know? <laughs> Sounds so, like you're like, hey, that, you know what? That's a great answer, Billy. And you're like, write that shit down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love the youth injection. I remember uh, talking to a few young guys in our, in our management uh, team. And I just, as soon as like you get the youth, they, they are like, schooled in a different way they learn different stuff i don't know they have different ideas uh, and i i love i'm all about the youth injection right now into into music because it's everything's changing right so get yeah. the ideas that are fresh well, i notice they're just faster than we are thinking now you know like when i talk to grady he's only 26 i'll say so what's going on with this spotify blah 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 and all of a sudden there's a spreadsheet that jumps up on my thing with all the numbers all the stuff everything's collated it all adds up this is the trend it's like how the fuck did you do that you know like i can't yeah. even think that fast anymore yeah. but i think that what it is is a lot of the and they grew up on online kind of these kids so it, yeah. this is not unfamiliar to them they just right. know how to run it they can run an instagram ad fast without right. like how do i do an instagram ad or what does it mean you know how do i reach it, people all that shit 40 minutes just to post an Instagram picture. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I've posted like the, like the wrong size pictures, tag yeah. the wrong people, you know, crop yourself. And crop have. yourself have. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm not good at it. Yeah. No, I don't know. It's getting, uh, it's getting pretty bad too. I mean, is, is it really getting better? I don't, I don't know. know. Actually social media. I mean, it could be just me becoming a curmudgeon. Just well, we had Twitter. a, yeah, <laughs> sure. well, you know what? We had to have Diamante. We had to say to her, you need to do a TikTok, right? And that like, as soon as I were, said the word TikTok, it put us all into this like panic state because nobody's really looked into not TikTok that you look at, but the inside of it. Like, how does it keep track? What are the metrics? How do you get a video to play? Right. What's the right way? That's a whole nother thing to learn because it's a different platform, you know? But it's incredibly important. Like you got, you can't just say, I don't want to do it because I don't want to do it. You got to do it, you know? So yeah. I'm glad yeah. I don't have to do it. But I still get emails no. from like management that say, Dave, tweet today. And I'm like, what? <laughs> really? <laughs> no, oh, man. No, well, that's the thing. Now. Yeah. We'll have, we'd actually have some of the management that would give us a schedule, social media like schedule. Right. And, uh, and the thing is, like, it, it's, it, it's so weird because, uh, I don't know why it's so as as it's so difficult to to keep doing it <laughs> because you don't have something to say every day. Like I don't, I don't. Yeah, you know, like I don't really care. I mean, I think to myself, does anybody really give a shit about what I have to say? Uh, but some people well, we do right you, now. Yeah. <laughs> well, you guys though, when you guys post, your art, your fans do care. I guess. I mean, our fans. You know, do. Yeah, they kind of just can't. I don't know. You know. There's got to be some sort of, I mean, that's the thing as we look at a perspective from ourselves, it's more of a narcissistic thing, right? I find no social media works for kids because there is a, an immediate, uh, you know, love there. There's an immediate reaction of, of release of endorphins or whatever it is from yeah. the fans going, you're so pretty, you're amazing. And like for someone like me or probably instant Dave, feedback. it's like, it's the instant feedback. For me, it's like, I, I'm not looking at, the, at it like that. I don't. I don't want to post a photo. I rarely ever post photos of me because I'm like, man, 
what happened to your face? You know, and then you just don't want it. You just like, don't do it. You're like, no, nah, I can't do it because I don't, I don't care. I know, like, you got to uh, put some thought into it. I mean, some of these, yeah. I've read, I've read this one girl who's a trainer who puts a lot of posts up. She goes, yeah, I go through 300 photographs before I pick the right one. And I have an assistant that helps me pick the right one. And then we go through and we make sure it looks perfect. And then we make sure the tagging is perfect. And like, I don't know. Anxiety. It's anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Don't need that. Don't need that. I could spend that time uh, napping (laughs) or trying to fix something. That's why I find that like uh, a. Let me ask you this. This is you're you're the artist. I'm going to interview you for a second. Let's do Do it. Do you think it's more important to write a great song, or do you think it's more important to like to look at the metrics and try to you know get those metrics to be better on other, you know, like which one is affecting the end result more, you know, is it because a lot of people don't think it's the song anymore. They don't think that matters. It's like put anything out and just start connecting people to your social media. And if your theory, you guys who already have a fan base, it's not, it's almost like, I don't know. I have one big artist say, Oh, we could just piss on the tape. doesn't matter. Yeah. doesn't yeah. affect anything anymore. Right. No, well, they're correct because it's a, uh, you know, uh, we're a product. And so it's, how do you sell that product? I mean, uh, if you have a huge social media following, which, you know, a band like us necessarily doesn't in comparison to like a pop artist or something, then they can make money on all these other avenues. Right. For us, it's just like, you have a hit song, we make all of our money from the hit song. That's it. Where like, uh, you know, a pop artist or something makes a song from the hit song. But then also they're triple threat. So then they get their clothing and they got this and that. But you do that, right? Merch online? I mean, don't we you? We do merch. It's, uh, I don't know how, for us, I don't know how connected it is to uh, social media. But uh, maybe on a scale, maybe perhaps. But yeah, it's, uh, we, we've always, we came from a place of songwriting. So oh, we, yeah. we did, our band didn't even really play that many shows. We never really toured. It was just write songs. And I also think that we've been we've sort of challenged our fan base. I think you know musically, I don't think we're we're just giving our fan base something that we know they'll they'll ingest and love. We're giving them music that we think might challenge some of them to to stay you know in that fan base with us. You know, I, right. I don't necessarily think we're just. Uh, I think if the if it, if it was the metrics, we'd probably just be going with what worked. Right. And just, well, Same I think you guys are, uh, yeah, I agree. You guys are not a band that, that, uh, has just stayed the same exactly like, right. like a Papa Roach or something where you kind of know what every song is going to sound like of theirs, you know? So I think that's a good thing actually. If or it, it just works. Well, if it works I mean, if it works, that's fine. I mean, we know so many bands that we're friends with that like, I mean, we're having a conversation with somebody and they're like, they loved the, the, the shift we made on our, uh, wake up call record with rx and they kind of said yeah but you know we you know we kind of just do what we do and they uh you know they don't really make this shift because everything's working fine but we didn't make the shift because things weren't working it's just i think it was a a, just a creative shift where uh yeah we we just don't want to write 10 bad girlfriends in a row because as much as everyone the fans will think they want that they won't. They won't. You're right. They won't. 
They it won't live up to what their expectation no. is that it's going to be a bad girlfriend, but better than the original bad girlfriend. Yeah. He already did bad girlfriend. Yeah. So. You know why? The reason is because bad girlfriend is a is a moment in time. So just like you listen to any of your favorite songs, whether it is when you hear that song, it brings you to that time. Whether it's just it's a place, a person, you know. So if you were, yeah, it's a memory. So every time they hear that, it brings them back to when they're in high school. Or a certain, you know, a girlfriend or boyfriend or a, a, their father who passed away or something like that. So you're going to try to, they want you to do that over and over because they think that that will. Right. Know, but you can't of, replicate that feeling that that song can't. gave them and yeah. always gives them when they hear it. Yeah. We thought, we thought about this a lot, you know, because it's like you yeah. just, you, I often think that your fans think that they want something from you and you're like saving them from what they actually think. You're like, no, trust me. You think yeah. that. But if we give right. you that, you're, you're not, you're going to be disappointed. Just let if we us get, give yeah. you this. If we could only this come and just come at it with an open mind. <laughs> if we could only right. make, make a record that to prove that they wouldn't work, right. you know, but, but it, you're it like, okay, here that. it is. And they're like, well, this sucks. They're like, we knew you were going to say that. We we're just fooling with you. <laughs> yeah. Here's the real yeah. record we're going to make. Now. Yeah. 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 We didn't do that. <laughs> well, I think it'd be a double record. I think the only way we can all operate because from where we started is that the song is really, that's still the most important thing. hundred percent. I mean, you know, maybe other people think otherwise and there might be proof that other people, it works for other people, but I just, that's just not how I feel about it. So I think there's room for both. Let's put it that way. You know? Yeah. Well, so. I, I always look, I always go back to the Beatles and go look at a band. They only did one world tour and in a, uh, I mean, how many years was it? Was it uh, six years? Um, yeah, five or six yeah. years. Well, they started in '62 uh, and they broke up in 1970, so eight years. So, in eight years, you look at their first record. I mean, when did like I Want to Hold Your Hand come out? Was it '64 or something? Uh, please, please please me. Yeah, that was like '63, something like that. All the way yeah. till uh, was it Revolver? What was their last record they made? It Let It Be. Let It Be. It, it like yeah. it changed so much. Uh, and you go like, that was not, that was not, uh, looking at it, a computer. Yeah. Right. You know, that, <laughs> that was, they changed so much in such a short period of time. It's, I mean, for us, that wouldn't even, that would be like three records. Yeah. No, it's, it's, almost like they, it's almost like they went and looked at what worked and tried to do the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. They moved on. They got so much more experimental. Well, it's funny. They had an article about in Rolling, the latest Rolling Stone talks about how they really did not want to break up. That it just was the external forces, like the girlfriends coming in, the, the advisors right. and all these people that, and they said they went in to do the last record, Let It Be, and um, their thought was, we really need a calming, organized producer, someone who can really keep our, like like a George Martin, but they didn't want to work with him again, and but somebody who was just really going to keep the band together, so they hire Phil Spector. Yeah, like the most opposite, <laughs> like the opposite guy, you know, the guy with a gun, you know. Yeah. So the decision making was so bizarre, you know. So, and all he did was alienate them to the point where they didn't want to be in the studio with each other anymore, you know. So, yeah, that's just interesting, starts, right? Yeah, yeah. Then they interviewed them all in this movie. Uh, I guess when the movie originally came out, let it be. It shows how they wanted to break out, but then um, the guy who did. Lord of the Rings, that director, Peter um, Jackson, Jackson is now re-editing all that footage and he's putting it together in a new version of the movie that shows that they actually didn't want to break up. 
They just didn't put that stuff in the movie. So, you know, they're talking like they're talking as if there's a future. But because you have, you know, Yoko Uno talking to John Lennon and Alan Klein talking to these guys and you have Paul, the Eastman, Linda talking to Paul, and they're all giving conflicting. Right. None of these people were there in the beginning. So they have all came in with their agendas right. that the band just got fragmented and, you know, they were all doing drugs and it was a lot of like garbage, but it's pretty interesting. I take on the whole thing, actually, you know, I got to watch up. Yeah. Is that yeah. out or is coming out? No, he's making, he's editing it right now. Yeah. They were just talking about him. He was a big fan, I guess. And he was just saying how like he was surprised when he looked at the footage, you know, about how different it was from what, the, what people think. You know, they all thought Yoko Uno broke up the band, but she had really, you know, Paul liked her, actually. Paul even right. said, hey, he likes her. Why are you getting mad at her? She's fine, you know? And so, you know, that's never mentioned anywhere. It's kind of like of fake news. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fake news. It's fake fake Beatles news. news, man. It blew my fucking mind. <laughs> yeah, it's so true, though. That's the, They only tell you what you think you want to hear, man. That's too bad. So Tyler, I got those two oscillators. I got to bring over brand new oscillators. Yes, because Howard uh, gave me a, a keyboard that he refurbished himself. It's continental. Vox continental. Vox continental. It's right yeah, over here. Cool. Yeah, and I yeah. think I, I I started recording on one track or something, and then it just kind of one of the keys was doing something funky. So you came over, and it's twice. crazy how like it, I you, you couldn't fix twice. it the first time. You had to come back the second time. Wouldn't work. That's why they stopped using those on the road because that's exactly what happened. They were right. like too fragile. So we couldn't even get it from my house to Tyler's without something not working, you know? So, uh, but yeah, I got two oscillators from another organ that I'm going to bring over to just shove right in there. So it'll be fun. Nice. You know? So yeah. TCB. Yeah. But that's happening a lot, right? Where you're seeing, like, I, I remember like sometimes you'll see a band and the keyboard player will have like a full-size Leslie, and I'm like, dude, what are you doing to yourself? <laughs> like, I used to like carry that, a full-time look. Yeah. It sounds right phenomenal, right? See that Hammond organ back there in the yeah. back? That's a full-on Hammond B3. And yeah. so Leslie hooked up. Where is, you have the hidden in the closet or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Every so often I have Hatch come over because I need someone to record it for me because I have to play right. it while someone's on Pro Tools. But then you get kind of wacky because you go, wait a minute, I, it's not perfect because it's not MIDI. So right, yeah. you just go, how do I do this? So right. I'll hold notes for like two bars and then edit the, you know, so I'll just edit the thing together so it looks like it was perfect, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and you listen to like takes on old uh, albums and you're like, this sounds so good, but there was no pro there was no cutting and pasting. There's no, no. quantizing. They act like, like, the, the queen actually sang these parts in Bohemian Rats, Rhapsody. There's no auto tune. File. <laughs> file. The file is amazing. Do you have it for Bohemian? Yeah, you, no, but you played it for me. I think where you play me some like yeah. uh, come together, which is yeah. cool. I think it was four track. Yeah, and they just you can hear all the. We were uh, me and the band when we were in uh, London. We got to go to Abbey Road, which was cool, and they did a little private tour. And then the guy, we went to a mastering studio on the top and the guy played uh uh day in the life, day in the life well it, and he cranked the ending up so we oh, could yeah. hear uh, ringo creaking on his chair and some going shh like what the fuck like the drummer's yeah. like i'll be recording <laughs> yeah it's so good man and abbey road is such a <clears throat> like uh commercial looking place like 
you know, with the little tie of the tiles with the holes in them. And I mean, it just doesn't look like a, you think in your mind, did Abbey Road there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's huge. It's, it's yeah. massive. Uh, they like, uh, I guess it was probably smaller. At one point they had a big garden out the back and then they just took the garden out and build, built more studios. I guess put that huge, the studio. We were in there and they were recording the music for Downton Abbey. Yeah, it was like a 110 oh, piece, wow. 110 piece orchestra or something. Oh, That's cool. Yeah. Like a four, four grand pianos and yeah, it was pretty cool. It was yeah. just nuts. Music in that show is actually really good. Very Victorian era kind of music, you know. It's cool to watch them do that stuff and they sort of play the thing up there and everybody's got the music and just plays live. It's it's impressive. Yeah. You ever you ever thought, Howard, uh, about doing any scoring? Ever doing any? Because I look at some people that like, uh, what's his face from Faith No More? He did the... What, Mike uh, Patton? Mike Pan did the soundtrack for uh, Place Beyond the Pines, which is okay. such a good soundtrack. There's some people that do. Uh, you ever thought about doing any scoring or anything like that? Well, I worked on um, one of the best movies ever made, The Dirt by Mo the Motley Crue movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just kidding. According to Motley Crue? That's <laughs> just such a scummy movie. <laughs> but yeah, I did the re-records for that. But no, I actually think that that would be something I'd have to... Uh, you know, think about that. I work too fast and I do too many projects at once. You got to commit like a year of your life to that. Right. You have to be involved. Like, uh, you know, to be honest, it doesn't pay that well unless you're like one of the big guys and then you get paid a lot. But, you know, you got to do a movie for free. You got to do a bunch of screen. I think you got to start this way earlier in your life. You know, like when you're like 18, 19 and, you know, put the 10,000 hours in and, right. you know, or you can hack it a little bit, I guess. But, you know. Some people make one film score and that's it, you know, so. What know. would be, what would be the scariest if someone called you right now and was like, Hey, you want to do this? And you're, and you just would say no out of fear. What would that phone call be? Like, well, it's funny. Anything? I did. I did say no to Bon Jovi out of fear and I ended up producing him, but I was scared to produce him. Actually, I didn't, you know, and I already had a lot of hits at that point, but he was friggin' Bon Jovi. You know, yeah. so uh, my manager called me back and she goes, no, you have to work with him. And I said, oh, my God, he's John fucking Bon Jovi, you know. <laughs> so I did end up working with him and he, he yelled at me like the first, you know, like hour I met him. He got he was pissed off about so uh, it's a long story. But, yeah, uh, it was interesting working with him, you know, so. I mean, yeah, a lot of people yelling at John Bo <laughs> bon, jo bon Jovi was a slippery when wet. I think it was maybe my first ever cassette tape as a kid. Yeah. Oh, what a great song. What a great song. I mean, I always thought that uh, I wanted to be that guy, Paul, the, the producer guy, like uh, the, the guy from Vancouver. Uh, what's his name? Paul. Um, you know, he passed away. Mike Platnikoff used to work for him. Yeah. Oh, Brendan um, O'Brien? No, no. Oh, the guy before that. Oh, out of, um, yeah, I don't remember his name, but I know what you're talking Little, about. Yeah. Little Mountain Studios. Little Mountain. Little Mountain. Yeah. In Vancouver. Yeah. They did a bunch yeah. of great records there. I think Molly Crew did a record there too. He, they did Kickstart My Heart with uh, Bob Rock. Uh, Bob Rock up there. Uh, yeah, good old Plotnikoff. He came from he, a good Vancouver. He came That's from why Vancouver. I hired him. He was a disciple of those guys. He would he worked with those guys, you know, Bob Rock and Mike Frazier. And he was like the the, the guy underneath all them. Yeah. So he came down. AC yeah. did ACDC. Mike, Mike did, uh, he engineered Aerosmith, yes. get a grip. He did that. 
So, so when I brought it down, we were just getting into Pro Tools. So like, I didn't really know how to engineer that well. It wasn't really my thing. Set up good. I thought it was for the, uh, you know, the proletariat to do that stuff. You know, you know, <laughs> just kidding. But you know, like I wasn't into like getting dirty or shit. Like I'm not putting mics up, you know, yeah. like I don't even know what the shit's doing, but this computer thought shit. I love that. Right. You know? So I got into pro tools way before most people did. And I think that had a lot to do with my career being good. You know, we were just uh, making records in the computer in 1997, 98, way before other people were. So, um, I just needed someone who couldn't do the other, could do the other side of it for me. When I first met Mike, he came down and he said, he goes, where's the tape machine? I said, we're not using a tape machine. We're using a computer pro tools. It's called, he's like, I'm a, uh, no, you know, Mike was like, uh, no, 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 we need a tape machine. I said, no, we're using the computer. So it just, you know, we, we were able to kind of come at it from different perspectives, you know? So like, yeah. He's great. He's producing his own stuff now, which is awesome. He's got his own clients. You know, he's got Buck Cherry as a talented man. He's talented. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's good. He knows like, uh, he just knows how to run a session really well now. Like he's got good vibes in there. You know, he's full of conspiracy theories and the band's oh, love yeah. that. I love that. I mean, I love starting yeah. my morning with his wacky conspiracy theories and whatever <laughs> yeah, he was yeah. into. It was just like the best way to start. It's like, all right, let's track guitar. But first, yeah. did you hear about oh, uh, Charlie Did you Charlie see Sheen? this morning? Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of Charlie yeah, Sheen stuff. He was love- <laughs> so I, I, do yeah. I do three hikes a week with him now. We have a whole, huh. like I never hung out with Mike. And then I, I do these big, long two-hour, big-ass hikes in the mountains here. And I called him one day. I said, hey, let's go hiking. Let's, why don't you come with us? So he hikes with me and a couple of my friends who are not conspiracy theorists. And all of a sudden he called me up one day and he goes, I feel so much better about my life now. I said, why? He goes, because I'm listening to you guys and it's actually learning that I may have been looking at this wrong. (laughs) And and I was like, in other words, you're saying the government didn't bring the towers down. You're starting to believe it might've actually happened. You know, There's not computer chips in that. that you know, Bill Gates is not going to run the world. You know, all this funny <laughs> stuff. But but then I said, you know what, though? I don't want you to stop talking about it because it makes a two-hour yeah. hike interesting. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> we love hearing it. We love hearing it. I love it. <laughs> he got me yeah. onto this whole thing with Tom Hanks being a pedophile. He's like, yeah, you got it. He was, they're shipping guys in this oh, car. Right. This company. And I'm like, yeah, the Hollywood. Yeah. 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 So Hollywood thing with the, the yeah. Satan worshiping and the kids blood or something. Is it something to do with kids blood or something? Kids blood or and a company, yeah. a furniture company or something. So it's now so my, good. Yeah. So it goes right. to the studio and a lot of the bands love it. Like they'll just like, yeah. I yeah. mean, it, I it doesn't it. affect the music. It just makes yeah. it more fun, you know? Yeah. So. Well, the studio should be fun. Studio should be fun. It was always fun when we were making records with you, Howard, for sure. I always had a good time in the studio. Well, thanks. I, I think I had a good team around me. I think that's a lot of it, you know. 100%, so. yeah. You had good, good people every time. A lot yeah. of the same people, and if the, if the moving parts were always good. Well, you yeah. know what? I, I appreciated that uh, you guys were easy to work with. I mean, you guys really always came prepared, and you always wrote great songs, and you always had stuff together, and... I think the hardest part, the hardest thing that we had to deal with was introducing you to Cambart. Because when there was a changing of the guard mm. over at Atlantic, yeah. that was a that was I was worried about the future your future because I Pete, it seemed like they were not gonna keep any rock bands at that point. I didn't know who was gonna stay. But you guys and Hailstorm and the big band stayed. But at the time we didn't know, right? And Pete was just 
Pete's, you know, we all love Pete, but he's a bit xenophobic about people he doesn't know at that point. So he didn't know you guys. And it did not get off to a great start, that relationship, because you were late to dinner one night, uh, Tyler. Like, way No, late. I wasn't late. Or was Pete late? It was Pete who was late. He was late. All right. Pete was late. Oh, for that was in New York when we in were New York. <laughs> by the skating rink when we did the skating rink. And you got That's really good. pissed off. And I thought, oh my God, these two guys are going to hate each other. And then you actually have a great relationship with them now. So it's cool. Yeah. To, yeah. To, you know, we never take anything fantastic. too seriously. That's what I always say. Cause like, you know, I was busting his chops a little bit after, you know, we finished dinner that night and I'm like, all right, well, we're going to head uh, out, Pete. If you stay here for 30 minutes, you'll be, have been here as long as we were. <laughs> That's, That's right. right. Yeah. You stay for another 30 minutes. I didn't think that was funny either. You thought no. you were good. Yeah. No, I think someone, someone was me or Dave say, come on, relax, Pete, let your hair down or something like that. Or yeah, he did yeah. not think that was funny. But then, hey, the three of us went for a walk down and it was snowing down yeah. there by the ice rink. Right. That was majestic. I remember that. Majestic. Yeah. I have pictures That's of that, actually. That was a good ending to that trip because, uh, yeah, we had to go, we had to fly out there and kind of fight to get, we had to play songs for pete and and the sit there while he the studio. Yeah, right. the label tour part lyrics right. and stuff it was a stressful meeting but you know we got green lit and at, so when we left we all felt elated and we're like that was great we did it so we we uh, thank you because you probably didn't have to fly out i remember i think i called you and was like can you fly out to New York and please and help us? <laughs> well, it helped us that you had a bit of a relationship with Pete, I think. And you know what? Yeah. You were always willing to go to bat for us. It was something we always appreciated for sure. Well, I got him the job, which I think is big thing. Like he, when the cowman was looking for an A&R guy in 2008, I just started working with Hailstorm and he wasn't there yet. And uh, I, I think Craig called me one night and he goes, I'm looking to move up myself into the company, but I needed a head of A&R. And I recommended Pete because I said I was working on Daughtry with Pete. And I remember I said, listen, um, let me tell you about this guy. He he's a fucking asshole. He knows how to say no to everybody. But he was trained by Clive Davis. He knows songs. He's a fucking song genius. But he's a bit of a dick. And he goes, that's the guy I want. And so he interviewed Pete and he got the job like the next week. And then Craig, every time Craig sees me, thanks me for that. He goes, that's the best hire I ever made was hiring him. You know? oh, you're right. I think you're right about Pete. He's he's so smart. He knows songs. And uh, for for us, I think that's the most important. You know what? If he's a dick, he's a dick. Who cares? We can handle it. We can well, you him. have to be in his position. He has to say right. no to everybody all the right. time. Yeah. It's a constant barrage of, of, you know, the supply and demand curve. It's all supply, you know, yeah. and like so he, you know, he's got to be that guy. And I think you, you don't you want an ahead of A&R that is selective. You know what I mean? That's, that's got, that's not going to just sign everything. So, right. you know, but yeah. So then I remember when you guys, when they, I think what happened to Roadrunner is they disbanded it, right. Or they didn't disband it. They, they broke it up somehow at that point. Like they took you guys off Roadrunner, put you on Atlantic, I think. Right. Had, Who knows, man? We still don't, don't know. Because Berman don't know. was, he just wasn't your A&R guy anymore, Berman. Yeah, right. he, yeah, they got rid of a bunch of staff and they moved right. over to Atlantic, and then recently, then now they have Electra. So now, Electra. We're kind of, now we're on Electra. It's With all the these. same people. But how come Rath is not your A and R guy? Because he kind of runs Electra, or he kind of runs Roadrunner, or Electra slash, or whatever. Yeah, he's head A and R over there, right? I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, Dave Rath was uh, was he was head in A and R at Roadrunner for the whole time we were there. I think he still is. What a great yeah. guy. 
Yeah, yeah another fantastic guy. It's been around. It's crazy we've been doing this for so long now that uh, we see a lot of these people that we've been working with the whole time. Like well, Monty was even there, right? Monty Connor was there Monty in the beginning. Connor, yeah, he's yeah, he's uh, we never worked Monty, but he did a lot of more of that metal stuff. Right, he was the metal expert. I think he found like he he made it had something to do with like Typo Negative or some of those bands, Slipknot, and and uh, a lot of that metal stuff that was huge for Roadrunner before we got there. And Slipknot's still their biggest client, you know, like oh. Roadrunner. They make the most money. Yeah, Corey Taylor's just doing fantastic. Yeah, another like, they have a lane. You know, they have a really big lane. Those guys, you know. Yeah. Well, Howard, we've had you here for a long time. We should probably let you go. You probably got another leg of uh, the Tour de France to finish. It's over. Oh, it's over. It was a great race, though. Who won? Was it uh, it Lance Armstrong? Pajikar, this uh, Slovenian rider. Really? Yeah. And he was not leading on the last day. He was down by 58 seconds. And this guy, uh, Primez Roglic, was going to win. They all thought he was going to win. Everybody anointed him. And this guy, this other Slovenian, had the time trial of his life and took back two minutes and won the Tour de France on the last day. Wow. Most exciting race I've ever seen. Wow, that's like cool. we, nobody could believe it. Watching it in real time, you're just like, oh my god! Like, you know, and so he raced what time, out, uh, You know, what time ahead. did he? What time did he put his blood in the freezer the night before? <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. Well, that's a that's a that's a thing. But they test the shit out of these guys, so. You know, you got to you know, credit. They're still insane athletes. I'm like, holy macaroni. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. You love that. Well, you cool. always love that shit. I know. I, love I like, it. you know what? I like foreign. I like the formula one racing and I like cycling. I don't like as many as American sports anymore. I don't know what happened. I think I got just kind of jaded like football, but like, I don't watch anything else really. You know, I like I like stuff that's different now for some reason. It's a little bit off the. Well, next yeah. time I get out to LA, we'll go to another Kings game and get a box. Go for a oh yeah, I can game. still do that. I think I still have enough pull. I don't know. Not to see. Oh, <laughs> I think I think I got that box for us, and then somehow the band ended up paying for it. Oh, you did get it. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Uh, it. it doesn't matter. It was a good time. Good, good memories. That's right, man. Well, thanks a lot, Howard. Uh, you yeah. Know what? Do this again. Chat again. I look forward to getting together. I can go out and let go me know when you're. Out. When are you going to put this thing up? A couple of weeks. Uh, it all that uh, well. We're trying. We want to be have this out already, but we're yeah. trying to tie the the label or manager wants to time it with something else. So we're like, fine, we'll wait. So we're just stockpiling them at this point. But it's going to oh, be this good. year. It'll be like probably uh, October. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, let me know when I'll put it up on my socials. Hundred percent. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the thing you have to say to people now? That's I'll right. make sure it's on my socials. <laughs> Tag, <our> social. <laughs> Tag me. <laughs> All right, man. All right, man. See well, you guys. See you, dude. I'll bring those. Yeah, man. Howard Benson. So it's good talking yeah, to so him. So good catching up. I love Howard. Yeah. It's been, uh, for me, it's been years since uh, we've chatted. So that's fun. Yeah. He always has good stories. There's, He's I mean, over at your house like twice a week. But for me, I haven't seen him in like five years. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I live not too far, so I can see him. But yeah, it's cool, man. You can always uh, go check Howard Benson out. Uh, his website is probably the best place to go to, howardbenson.com. And it has, you know, like we talked about his plugins and his uh, software yeah. on there and his STL tones. A, and If you're a studio guy, check out that stuff. West Valley Studios. He's got his recording studio there that he works out of now. 
So it's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, make sure to check out our merch store. <laughs> Bandmeetingpodcast.com. We got a merch store in there, and we'll uh, you know we'll upload some videos on there and stuff like that. And the, the socials will be on there too. That hopefully will work because I don't know. I'm just an old curmudgeon. I don't know how anything works anymore. <laughs> I love anymore. curmudgeon. Yeah, it's great. It's such a and if you use the word curmudgeon, you are one. You have to be. <laughs> yeah, Kids sure. are listening are like, what the hell? Is that some sort of crustacean? Is like a crab or something? Yes. How would you even spell that to look it up, you know? If you're a kid nowadays, just you wouldn't even know how. Just sound it out. <laughs> That's it, Dave. Uh, I'm going to have a nap. Not me, man. I'm up. No. You're up? Stay you're up? Nap. I'm going to have a nap. I can, I can have a nap before I go to bed. <laughs> And just make it run into it. So it's just a nap that you wake up the next morning. It is going yeah, to bed. Yeah. Just, go to, just go to bed at 6 p.m. or whatever time it is there. What did you do last night? Eight-hour nap? Yeah. That's my Saturday night. <laughs> Bye-bye. Awesome. Well, uh, until next time, check us out where you check out your podcasts. Uh, what else? That's it. Peace. Yeah, give us a like. Bye. 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 Bye.